Good morning, everybody. This is the Dr. Football Podcast. This is Dr. Dennis Tian. Week 16 of the NFL, talking only football here today and talking New England Patriots mostly today. Chuck Knoll in Pittsburgh, Jimmy Johnson in Miami, Bill Parcells in Dallas, Joe Gibbs in Washington. What do all these guys have in common? They were all great Hall of Fame coaches who won championships and who the game eventually passed by. I still have faith in Bill Belichick, but I would be lying if I didn't say that based on what's happened this year, I don't have a growing sliver of doubt about if Bill Belichick is the guy. And it really begins and ends with a series of bizarre personnel and on-field decisions over the last few years and just a strange, strange pattern of things happening that make me wonder if times have passed Belichick by, just like they passed by those other guys eventually. And eventually those guys had lost the formula. They found the formula to win games and win championships, and then they lost it. Just like we talk about time passing by Brady and Brady aging and Brady being unable to play anymore, it's very easy to forget that the same thing tends to happen to coaches. And it's very fair, based on the events of the last couple years, to question if the same thing is happening to Bill Belichick right now in New England. Yesterday, I watched Tom Brady throw for four touchdowns and over 300 yards in a half of football. That was a week after he came back from 24 points down against Atlanta again and threw for 350 yards in the second half and stole that game from the Falcons. Tom Brady's thrown for 36 touchdowns and 11 interceptions this year. Those are borderline MVP caliber numbers. No one's talking about Brady for the MVP because there are better candidates and because he's had too many turnovers and a little too bit of a rocky path this year to get serious consideration. But you see my point. Okay, that's a great year. The quarterback in New England's going for five touchdowns and ten interceptions. That's pathetic. Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the playoffs now for the first time since 2007. And the New England Patriots are not going to the playoffs for the first time since 2008, which, oh, by the way, is the last year Brady missed. When this whole thing started, I was Team Belichick. I was Team Belichick. And you know what? I'll admit it right now. I was wrong. I was wrong. What's happened the last year has shown a couple things. I I still stand by the fact that Brady changed and Brady became a diva and Brady became too involved with himself. But... There's another side to the story, which is Bill Belichick can be a real a-hole sometimes. And as great a coach as you can have, as great a coach as you can be, you need players on the field to be able to do the job. And most especially in the National Football League, you need a quarterback to be able to throw the ball. And when you've got a quarterback, and I don't care under what conditions... Last year, Brady threw for 24 touchdowns and 8 interceptions with his team. We're seeing now that was actually a pretty damn good feat. Even though he's not the same player. Even though he doesn't throw the ball downfield as well. Even though he doesn't like to get hit anymore. Okay, He's not the Brady of 2016 or 2014. 
that guy's a little bit gone. He's still in that second tier right now of NFL quarterbacks. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. Probably somewhere around five or six. You don't let a guy like that walk away for nothing. You don't slap a guy like that in the face and say and offer him a $15 million bogus contract offer for one year when you have nothing, nothing, nothing waiting to replace him. What, what's happened in Tampa Bay is telling you that Tom Brady can still play at a high level in the NFL. Maybe not the level he was at four years ago, but a high enough level to win games and a heck of a lot better than what you have here in New England. So what was Bill Belichick doing? Bill Belichick's failure with this transition from Brady to the next quarterback is one of the single greatest personal failures in the history of the National Football League. And it is the failure that might well lead to his demise in New England. And I'm going to tell you something. He's a lot further down along that road to being canned than you think he is. Because this was an epic screw-up. An epic screw-up. It's a disgrace that Tom Brady is finishing his career in Tampa Bay. It should have never happened. Everyone should have been able to get along. Did Brady become a diva? Yeah, he became a diva. You know what? When you can throw for 36 touchdowns and 11 picks in the NFL, your coach, guess what? Sometimes you got to just bend over and take it, okay? Belichick should have written Brady a check himself if it would have kept him here. They should have paid him three or four years ago. They should have given him the contract and wrote him as long as they could, and if he went into decline, so be it. Really, what were they afraid of by giving Tom Brady the long-term deal that he wanted a few years ago? They were afraid of having a few down years? Look around. What are they going to have? A few down years, if not more. Why? Because they pushed him out the door too soon. Belichick has been lived by the sword, died by the sword for 20 years. And this is the time where it's going to be die by the sword. This is the one that's going to burn Bill Belichick. Take a step back and ask yourself, whose legacy has suffered more since September? Brady and Belichick were better together. There's no doubt about it. Brady would be better off if Belichick was his coach right now. And they'd still be winning games in New England. But Brady's legacy really won't suffer no matter what happens in Tampa Bay. In fact, if anything, all he can do is strengthen it. You go down to Tampa Bay, you take a hapless, pathetic franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years, and you show up and they make the playoffs, and you throw a 3-to-1 touchdown interception ratio at 43 years old, even if they get bounced out of the playoffs in the first round, no one's going to say that that diminishes Brady's legacy or who he is. He's proving he's still the GOAT, even at 43 years old, even with diminishing physical skills, even with not wanting to get hit as much. He's still a great player. It shows you how great a player the guy really is and was. And even if it was a total fail, no one would hold it against him. But Belichick, on the other hand, is still physically and 100% capable of doing his job. There's no steep physical decline that's inevitable for coaching. But Belichick's legacy is in a free fall right now. It is in a free fall right now. Bill Belichick needs to win games without Tom Brady. Our history is going to remember the last 20 years very differently and it's for one simple reason because Bill Belichick has never won crap without Tom Brady as his quarterback 
And when you factor in how big of a jerk Belichick can come off as sometimes, people are going to be all too willing to rewrite the history of the last 20 years. And I'm not saying that's what I think, because I think Belichick's a great coach, but I'm saying that's what history is going to say. They're going to say Bill Belichick never won without Brady, and the last 20 years were much more about falling ass backwards into the greatest quarterback of all time in the sixth round of the draft than Bill Belichick being the GOAT of coaches. If you were going to say that Brady made Belichick, your argument has been strengthened by what's happened in the last four months. And that will always be a dark cloud over his legacy. And it's right or wrong. It's, it, 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 you know, you might not be right. I mean, I think, I always said it's both. I mean, you don't go on a 20-year run of dominance like that. It's never happened before. Because you've never had a great coach like that and a great quarterback like that stay together for that long. But Belichick needs to win without Brady or else his legacy is going to be diminished in the eyes of history. It's just a fact. And if Belichick keeps losing, people will long remember him as the fortunate recipient of Brady's greatness. Really riding in Brady's wake. In this whole episode here, this whole 2020 lost season with Cam Newton and this bizarre loyalty to this failing, diminished player is, is, is just, a, it's just a very bizarre little twist. It's not like... You know, he, he brought in someone and they're kind of okay and they, they're not quite as good. And, you know, they're nine and seven, they're 10 and six. Uh, and maybe it wasn't done perfectly and it looks bad for Belichick. I mean, this is like a, a zealotrous or, 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 or just far, false, factitious adherence to this guy that cannot play quarterback anymore. And you're losing games and you're not scoring in offense and you're getting worse as the year goes on and he's sticking with him and it's just going to continue to erode and diminish his legacy so the pressure is on Bill Belichick to save this situation and put this franchise back on track in 2021 because I'm going to tell you if they go into 21 and this happens again next year Bill Belichick will not be the coach of the Patriots in 2022 that I guarantee the Patriots have gone two games without scoring a touchdown. Newton continues his historically bad run of quarterback play. It's unbelievable. There are only a handful of players in the history of the last 30 years of the NFL who've played the position as statistically poorly as Cam Newton and still retain their starting job for 14, 13 games. It Usually, when a guy plays that bad, they get benched. They get benched. Cam Newton has taken this offense. They've gone two weeks without scoring a touchdown. Okay. Last Sunday in in Arizona, Jalen Hurst looked awesome again in an Eagles loss. Okay. The Eagles are a different team when Jalen Hurts was behind the helm. Now, the Eagles are 4-9. and nine, The Patriots are 6-8. and eight. But which franchise would you rather be right now? Which team feels like they're in better shape? Who feels better? It's... It's clearly the Eagles. The Eagles have hope. The Patriots have a better record, but they have no hope. That's what makes this so draining as a fan. 
Eagles have drafted someone in the second round last year who has a chance to be a great quarterback. You need a quarterback in the NFL. Patriots took Kyle Duggar. Well, Kyle Duggar looks like he's going to be a good player. But if you don't have a quarterback, I don't care how good your safeties are, you're not winning. Patriots passed on Hurst last spring in the draft, and it makes no sense. It's part of something we talked about in the past, which is this investment they made in Jared Stidham. Okay, and it's not bizarre to me that a fourth-round quarterback isn't good enough to get on the field. In fact, that happens all the time in the NFL. But what's bizarre to me is that the Patriots had a full season-plus look at this guy. They had two drafts. They had free agency. They had the chance to re-sign Brady. They had multiple opportunities to bring in another player, and they didn't because presumably they liked him. And then at the last second, they go out and get a really, a, let's say it, a piece of damaged goods in Cam Newton, and they bring him in. And now, even though Newton is historically terrible and having one of the worst seasons a quarterback has ever had, ever, ever in the history of the league, Stidham can't get on the field. It just, it's, it's so inconsistent. If he was that bad, then why did you pass on all these chances to, to replace him? Why did you pass on all these chances to bring in other players? It's so inconsistent. And that's what makes me concerned about Belichick. Because there's no consistency of logic in his actions. And look, the guy's 70 years old. Okay, people do change as they get older. Is he getting to that point in life where maybe, you know, sometimes people get a little emotional at that time in life. Sometimes people get a little fixed in their ways at that time in life. You know, is, is Belichick really not moving to the speed of the times? And when I see an inconsistency like that, where everything points to, we like Stidham, we like Stidham, we're making this investment in Stidham, and then almost like the flip of a switch to the guy's like poison and, and we can't even put him on the field no matter what, that speaks very poorly, okay, to whatever's going on inside the walls at Patriot Place. It speaks to an inconsistent organization that, that, that really doesn't have a clear logical plan. And I'll bring up one more thing about Stidham because he should start tomorrow night. It's a no-brainer. He should have started seven weeks ago after the Denver game. He should have been started. It was very clear. Newton did not have it. It was very clear why Newton was on the free agency on June 30th, going back to the third or fourth week of the year. Can't throw the ball. Cannot throw the ball. Not that mobile anymore. He should have played the young guy. Even if they went 3-13, it would have been better off. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when the Patriots drafted Scott Zolak in 91 Okay, He started games in 91, and he started games in 92. He wasn't a great quarterback, clearly, in his career, but he was a serviceable backup. Patriots drafted Drew Bledsoe in 93, and he started almost every game from the middle of the 93 season on. But in 1998, Drew Bledsoe broke his finger. Okay, Scott Zolak backed up Drew Bledsoe in 93, 94, 95, 96, and 97. I don't think he barely saw the field during those times. In 98, when Bledsoe broke his finger... And the Patriots needed to win a game to get into the playoffs or win two games. Zolak was able to come in and do that. The experience that Scott Zolak got in 91 and 92 made him a viable backup six years later in 1998. Okay, even if Jared Stidham isn't your quarterback of the future, okay, can you put him in there and give him experience? Because he could be a viable backup quarterback for the person you do bring in. 
And those reps are going to count. These are wasted reps for Cam Newton. Wasted. You're a go-nowhere, dead-end street franchise right now because you have a dead-end street quarterback. You're not going to win with him now, and you're not going to win with him next year, and he's certainly not going to be here in a few years. It's a total, total road to nowhere. The road with Stidham might be not much better, but at least it's to somewhere. Maybe he becomes a backup quarterback like Zolak did for Bledsoe for all those years. That's an asset. You need a good backup quarterback. You're not doing anything by playing Cam Newton anymore. One of the most bizarre and puzzling chapters of Bill Belichick's 20 years, this whole episode. And, and, and um, let's just hope that the Patriots figure things out this offseason and take some steps towards some sort of logical plan for life post-Tom Brady uh, in 2021. Because right now, there really is. It doesn't look like there is one. Okay, let's go a little bit. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um, positional things on, on the team right now as, as they evolve throughout the year. Um, in the game last week against Miami, what, what was really very apparent, and if you listen to the podcast, going back to the Seattle game in week two, you know, I expressed a lot of concern about the run defense of this team. And, and, and they at times showed some flashes that made me feel a little better. But when it's all said and done, this team has major issues in the front seven. And if you ask me, I think their defensive line, I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, the, 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 the 2007 New York Giants or anything like that. But I don't think they're that bad. I think Adam Butler and Lawrence Guy are developing young players. I like Dietrich Wise. They got no linebackers. That's their problem. And when I say they got no linebackers, I mean they literally have no linebackers. Like, they're going into games with, like, two active linebackers or three active linebackers, if that's what you even want to call Chase Winovich, because I'm not sure he is a a pro linebacker. And they continue to run this, like, 6-7 defensive back defense, and it just doesn't work. It, the, the secret is out, and they get steamrolled. And Kyle Duggar is a, is a good young player, but Kyle Duggar is, Duggar is going to be a better young player when he can play the position he's meant to play, and that's safety. And not stop asking him to come up and fill the gap at linebacker. But they need linebackers on their defense desperately. And, and, and I think that, you know, I like Josh Uche a lot. He's showing something. I like Juwan Bentley a lot. Juwan Bentley is going to be a great number two or three linebacker. If he's your number one, you're in trouble. And I think of all the seven or eight opt-outs, the eight opt-outs they had this year, the only one that really hurt them, in my opinion, was Dante Hightower. But at the same time, when did Dante, when does Dante Hightower play 16 games? The answer is never. He gets hurt all the time. Okay, he's hurt all the time. So you need depth at that position. If Hightower is your one, Bentley's your two, you need someone else to come in that's a starting caliber player. Maybe Brandon Copeland was that guy. He got hurt. I don't know. But I like what I see from Uche and... Chase Winovich, he's a personality. He's got the hair. He's awful. He is, he is a terrible, terrible, terrible linebacker. He's, he's not a great pass rusher. He loses contain all the time. Um, he's, he's, he, he does not look like he, he's a very good player against the run. And I think, you know, his inability to be an every-down linebacker is one of the reasons they're struggling against the run so much. Um, tight end. They need tight ends desperately. 
I mean, it's a disgrace to go into two seasons with the tight end situation they have. This is just Bill Belichick's arrogance and stupidity at times, stubbornness, 101. Because, um, you know, to get caught with your pants down when Gronk retires on you late in 2019, that's one thing. But to go into his second year without having a real NFL tight end on your roster is unacceptable. And look, I understand guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Okay, those guys are hard to find. I understand that. But you don't need that to win. Can we get like ben, a Ben Watson or a Daniel Graham or a Christian Foria or just like a viable NFL tight end who's like an average? Can we get like the 15th best tight end? Just so that someone that if he's open, he'll catch the ball, maybe make a play every now and then, can block a little. They don't really have that right now. Um, neither of the rookies they drafted look particularly good. Ryan Isso is a great third tight end because he can block, but he's not a first or second tight end. He's got no skills in the passing game whatsoever. Wide receiver, again, same thing. You know, they, they at least made an effort to bring in some wideouts, but let's face it, the Nikhil Harry draft pick, that one stings. That was a key pick, and that was a key opportunity. There were players there on the board that are good players, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. These are good players that would make a huge difference if they were on this team. And instead they took Harry, who's a dud, and it's probably going to cost them a lot for the future. You know, so I think he's a I think he's a cut next training camp. I don't see him making the team next year. He's just not an NFL receiver. I think Demir Bird is a good player, but he's a third wide receiver. You can't put him on the outside as you're one and two. And I don't think they have much beyond that. Edelman looks like he's at the end. And that's really it. Jacoby Myers is like a number three receiver. If you got they got a great three and a four. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. They need a one and a two. But again, they don't need, you know. Um, Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss out there. Give me Deion Branch and David Givens. So those are just a couple of the big positional holes that, that I wanted to address. Um, you know, a couple of thoughts about the Miami game last week. feels like it was like a month ago because a lot's happened this week with the holiday and everything going on. Um, they lost the game by 10. They should have lost by 30. Um, they got two huge breaks in that game. Two or through a pick in the goal line, in the, in the end zone that gave the Patriots the ball when the Dolphins really sh- should have scored a touchdown there. And then the Newton fumble, I mean, that's just pure dumb luck, just pure consistent theme of, of sloppy play and turning the ball over. And that's what's so puzzling about Newton. He turns the ball over a ton. He fumbles a lot. He throws a ton of picks. It's not like he's protecting the ball. Um, and yet he still gets trotted out there again and again. Um And, and as a reminder, they've scored no touchdowns in in, in the last two games. Now, uh, Tua Tagliavoe is an interesting player. I, I got to be honest, his play does not does not impress me very much. And, and again, you saw last night against Oakland, the, the Dolphins had to bring in Fitzpatrick to see to, to, to kind of bail them out. The Dolphins would be a better team with Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. I'm not sold that Tua is a pro quarterback. He, he kind of looks like a game manager right now. I'm not sure what his mo is. Um, I think that's a pretty good Miami team, uh, especially on defense, um, and they're kind of carrying them right now. They'd probably be better off with Fitzpatrick. Um, the tackling against Miami was atrocious, but I think that it's a little bit more complicated than just bad tackling, right? When you have linebackers, when you have no linebackers, and you have defensive backs playing linebacker, then the tackling is going to be poor, okay? When guys are getting into the second level of the secondary – because no one's and no one's slowing them down. 
the tackling's going to be poor. And I think that has more to do with it than anything. Um, we saw a better Sony Michelle yesterday, or, or last week, I should say. Uh, he averaged over five yards a carry. He ran like a guy who was running for his job. And, you know, I, I do wonder sometimes if, if Sony's just had a lot of bad luck with injuries. But, you know what, the Patriots drafted him like that. And they knew he had a bad knee. So even if it is an injury thing, it's still a bad pick. What's up with Bill Belichick not taking that field goal late? He has two timeouts, and they're in field goal range. It's fourth and five. Just another bizarre choice from Bill Belichick. Kick the field goal, and then you kick the onside kick. Okay, you're down by 10. You're trying to come back. You need, you need, you need, you need a touchdown and a field goal. Take the three and see what happens. Stay in the game. It's a bizarre choice. Couple thoughts around the league. Um, people talk about quarterback successor for the New England Patriots, and, and you hear a lot of names: Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, there there are a few other ones. You know what that means, of course. It means you're you're screwed. It means you're screwed when when you're trying to pick up someone else's remnants. But I don't want any of those guys. I mean. You know, maybe as a bridge quarterback, but not as not as the answer, um, not not as the next guy. And, and and I wonder, you know, I watched Matt Ryan blow another big lead against Tampa Bay last Sunday, and I just say, man, the book on this guy is written. Okay, he 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 is not good in in tough situations, and he is part of the problem. The players have changed, the coaches have changed. Um, a lot's changed in Atlanta, but one thing's remained the same, and that's the quarterback. And, and you saw it again on last Sunday against Tampa Bay with a big lead, and Ryan couldn't make the plays that he needed to make to keep, to keep that lead and, and to win that game. Um, so I love Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen in the AFC East is, is a great player. I was very concerned about him coming out. I just felt like he didn't have accuracy. He wasn't a polished player. Um, Josh Allen is Drew Bledsoe with mobility. Rocket arm, cannon, big guy, you know, can make all the throws, and he's going to be a force in the AFC East for the next few years. Now, the other team in the AFC East I want to talk about is the New York Jets. And the New York Jets are the only team in the NFL that could take such a huge loss from a win. Beating the Rams last week pretty much guarantees that the Jets are not going to get Trevor Lawrence. And that is a huge win for the New England Patriots. But people say, oh, you know, Lawrence wouldn't be a great fit and, 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 and for the Jets. And maybe Lawrence should hold out if the Jets are going to take him. And to me, that's madness. Okay, Trevor Lawrence should want to go to the Jets. That's a marquee NFL city. Okay, that is New York City. Trevor Lawrence would be an absolute star in New York City. Where's he going to go now? Jacksonville? You might as well move the team to London. To be honest with you, and I hate to say this as a Patriots fan, the Jets winning that game last week is a huge loss for the whole league because it puts arguably the best quarterback prospect for the last 20 years, okay, it puts him in a backwater third-rate NFL market. Most NFL franchises are either A-level or B-level. I don't know if there's any C-level NFL franchise, but if there is, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are 32 of 32, and Lawrence going there will be a loss for the league. Imagine if the, the Jacksonville Jaguars draft Trevor Lawrence and become the next great NFL dynasty. 
I mean, it's just hard to imagine, right? Now, the Jets, yeah, you can see the Jets or something like that, but the, 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 the Jacksonville Jaguars, no. Now, Baltimore Ravens, you know, when teams get their quarterback dinged up, I don't think they advertise that. But you have to watch really subtle signs. Like, like to me, right now, I watched Arizona play yesterday, and Kyler Murray's hurt. Kyler Murray is not the same player he was six, seven, eight weeks ago. The Patriots beat that Arizona team because Kyler Murray's hurt. The Patriots don't stand a prayer to stop that offense without with, with a healthy Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray was hurt yesterday. Very apparent he's not quite the same player. Maybe this is going to be a problem for him because he's a small guy. Um, but... Teams aren't going to send out a memo to everyone, okay, and say, oh, my quarterback is a sprained knee, but he's still going to play. But you have to watch for those subtle signs. And I think the same thing could be said about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. When the Patriots beat the Ravens in Foxborough, people talked a lot about the rain. Well, the Ravens lost the week before that in Tennessee, too. And in both those games, Lamar Jackson didn't look like he was the same player. He was hurt. Lamar Jackson was hurt. Okay, Lamar Jackson's getting healthy again. Okay, Lamar Jackson looked a step slow. For a while there, three or four weeks there, around the time they lost to Tennessee and New England, Lamar Jackson looks healthy again now. He looks like the Lamar Jackson of 19 and 18 in the last couple weeks. And Baltimore is making a push. If I was an AFC playoff team, I would be rooting against the Ravens making the playoffs because that team is a good team. I think Jackson got hurt, and that was a tough break for them. I think they lost a few games that they might have won otherwise. And I think that with him healthy and back to normal, they are one of the best teams in the AFC, and they deserve consideration. But they're not going to get it until they win a playoff game. Certainly wouldn't want to face them. I want to talk a little about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they're the best team in the National Football League. There's no, or the AFC at least. There's no question about that. But Patrick Mahomes gets away with a lot because of the rules right now. Okay, he couldn't get away with some of the things that he gets away with. I'm not saying he wouldn't be a great player. He'd be a great player in every era. I'm saying that some of the sloppy, mechanically terrible things that quarterbacks have been told their whole life not to do, he's able to do because... The NFL rules are so tilted towards the passing. You take a supremely, immensely talented player and you give them these rules and the old guard, the old tenants go out the window. Don't throw across your body. Don't don't throw without looking. Don't throw, um, you know, don't throw that dangerous high-risk pass across the middle into three guys. Mahomes gets away with that stuff because these receivers are protected and he's protected now. But he has a pattern of being sloppy with the ball. You saw it against Miami, and you saw it against New Orleans last week. It's going to burn the Chiefs if he keeps doing it. You can't continue to get these leads and turn the ball over. You do that against a team like Baltimore or Tennessee, you give them enough chances, a good team, and they're going to make you pay for it. The Chiefs will not go to the Super Bowl this year if Patrick Mahomes continues to turn the ball over in the second half of games. He's got to start protecting the football. New York Giants, I think it's a very damning thing because I look at that team and they seem like they're a better team with Colt McCoy at quarterback than Daniel Jones. And that's a huge indictment on a young quarterback because Colt McCoy is nothing special. But maybe, just maybe, Daniel Jones is worse. 
And I think that if I was a Giants fan or if I, I work for the Giants, I, I would be really thinking very long and hard. Do I want my team to draft an NFL quarterback, another quarterback this year? Because is it time for the Daniel Jones experiment to end? I mean, he's been the starter for almost two full years. They won a big game the week before last with a backup. I don't think Daniel Jones wins that game. Jones came back, you know, two weeks ago, and he looked terrible. Philadelphia Eagles, what a mess in a sense, but what a great problem to have. If Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback, guess what? They're going to figure something out with Carson Wentz's contract. Look at what the Patriots did with Bledsoe and Brady all those years ago. They just signed Bledsoe to a $100 million contract. That year, that offseason, and when they found they had someone better behind him, they were able to figure it out, and they'll do the same thing for Wentz. The Eagles are in great shape because Jalen Hurts can play, maybe. He's got a chance to be a good quarterback, and Wentz maybe is not totally insalvageable. Now, this year, I think with that team, when I watch that team, I look at them and I say, Jalen Hurts' skill set works much better with what this team has Okay, especially with the poor offensive line play and his mobility works better than Wentz. But that could change next year. I wouldn't give up totally on Wentz yet. But it's a great problem to have two good quarterbacks. And it's a great problem to have an exciting young quarterback, okay, on a rookie deal that you drafted in the second round that looks like he's a good player. Jalen Hurts showed you more in the last two weeks than some of these guys that, like, like, like like Daniel Jones and like Josh Rosen and you you know you get what I'm saying I mean you could draft a rookie quarterback and he could be like Josh Rosen and he sucks and you're stuck with him and it's back to the drawing board which is what the Cardinals did they went back and drafted Kyler Murray the next year now there's no guarantee Jalen Hurts is going to be a great pro but it's much better to come in and have a fast start and show some real flashes that to be like the Nikhil Harry of, of quarterbacks, you know, like a, like a Daniel Jones or a Josh Rosen and just have a tough start and say, have people saying, well, maybe he'll get better or he's got to make it better. That window closes. That window closes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a fast-moving league. If you don't – if a guy isn't a good player right from the beginning, I think it's unlikely they ever become one. And I think if a guy isn't a good player by the end of his second season in the league, I think it's – damn near remote that they're ever going to become one. There are, there are very few guys that, at any position, that come into the league, suck in their first training camp, suck in the first preseason, suck in their first year, suck in all through their second year, and then suddenly become good players in the third or fourth year. It doesn't happen that much. It really doesn't. So the Eagles have a great problem with Jalen Hurts. They have a great problem, and they're, they're going to figure it out. Wondering if Michael Thomas might be one of the most important players in the NFL this year. That New Orleans team is good, but Drew Brees is not the same player he was a few years ago. The Saints don't have the depth at wide receiver that they've had in the past. Drew Brees needs Michael Thomas, and the Saints need a number one receiver in order to be a Super Bowl caliber team. If they they have Michael Thomas, the Saints are the best team in the NFC far and away. But if they don't have Michael Thomas... 
Drew Brees is not the kind of player that can go out anymore with four average receivers and score points. And I think it opens up the whole NFC if Michael Thomas is not on the field. The NFC becomes a wide open race. If the Saints don't have Michael Thomas, who's the best team in the NFC? Green Bay? I don't think anyone's afraid of Green Bay. Green Bay got their ass kicked by Tampa a few weeks ago. Seattle's a flawed team. Tampa's a flawed team. The Rams just lost to the Jets. Arizona is not going to make the playoffs anymore. The Bears, right? It is a wide open NFC. If I was the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would be hoping beyond hope that Thomas hamstring tightens up again and he's not able to play. Because I think that does open the door for Tampa Bay to make a playoff run. But Tampa Bay's never going to get past New Orleans. If Michael Thomas is healthy. Okay, well, that's all the time I'm going to take today. I hope anyone that listened enjoyed the podcast. This is the week 16 edition. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. Stay safe out there. Better days are coming. Uh, Enjoy the football. Today, we'll be back with an episode next week to talk about whatever happens. And my Christmas wish, please stop trotting Jared, stop trotting Cam Newton out there. If Jared Stidham isn't the guy, then go sign someone off the street. Go find Luke McCown or something. I mean, you know, there's got to be something better than what we've seen. I, I just can't watch it anymore. I've never had such a hard time watching Patriots football as I have this year. And I go back to the pre Bledsoe era when they had nothing. But there's something about watching Newton play that's just hard to watch because he's so clearly not capable of doing it anymore and clearly a dead-end street. So I hope tomorrow night the Pats, the Pats give someone, anyone, a try. And, 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 and maybe it will be a little better. But if not, let's face it, it's a lost season. But whatever it is, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the season, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you very much. Take care, stay safe, and be well, everyone.